Welcome to Passports and Postcards, where we discuss everything travel, from cultural inspirations to exciting destinations and everything in between. With your host, Randall McKeown. Hi, welcome to Passports and Postcards. I'm your host, Randall McEwen. This is a special bonus edition. Today we will follow the path of a young man as he tries to get home from Laos to Canada during the pandemic. This is the story of Nathaniel Sunagulia. After spending a long period in Australia, he decided to travel to Laos. While there, COVID-19 broke out. As being a Canadian, he was advised by the Canadian government to get home as quick as possible. So his parents were in constant contact with him and urged him to get home no matter how. Here is his story. I'm now going to begin my take on my experience uh, being, how do I say, um, locked in the country of Laos uh, for a few months. Um, so the whole COVID thing came up around March, the beginning of March, I think it was, and my parents were absolutely freaking out, uh, calling me, insisting upon my return home. Nathaniel, now being any country like Laos, where they have very poor health care, and it's a very poor country in itself, were you nervous at all? Um, the healthcare system is very poor. Uh, the country itself is one of the most, one of the poorest countries in the world, I think, Laos. And uh, yeah, so we didn't know what was going to happen. Um, we decided as a group, as a collective, you know, we were all in the same boat. Our parents and families were urging for us to come home, and we decided, you know what, um, we simply just don't want to go. Uh, we didn't want to make a decision based out of fear. Um, we didn't want to sort of regret going home. So what did you do, and what was your parents' um, reaction to your decision to stay? So yeah, we we decided to just go against everything that we've been told by our governments and families and, and just um, oppose it all. Um, and it turned out to be the greatest decision we could have made. Um, yeah, so uh, had to tell the parents, had to let them know that I'm sorry. Like it, it really pained me to tell my parents that I, I'm not coming home, and uh, the fear, the worry they must have felt was pretty, pretty immense. I would imagine, um, but it's okay. You know, I was following my heart. Where did you stay in Laos? So we found ourselves a little house uh, on an exotic island on the Mekong River, um, in the south of the country, in an area called the Four Thousand Islands. Um, what a paradise, just a, a dream, an absolute dreamland uh, where we, we isolated ourselves on this island. There was probably only about 100 people total on the island, uh, including locals and travelers, because there was a lockdown within the country as well. So all the provinces within the country of Laos, you could not move around the provinces for a couple of months. Nathaniel, can you tell us what it was like? I think it was like a seven-bed house. Uh, there, we had our own banana 
tree and papaya tree and, and pineapple plants and uh, all sorts of our own our own uh, produce, if you can call it that. Um, so yeah, uh, that was great. It was a great place to hide out, to isolate ourselves. We knew that we weren't going to get coronavirus because we weren't really surrounded by many other people. Uh, and those that we were were clearly in good health. Um, so yeah, that was good. How long were you in lockdown? So yeah, um, we did that for a couple of months, and then and then after the lockdown was uplifted, we then continued to travel around Laos for one more month. Um, the society there, everything, the way that life uh, usually uh, happens, the way that that that, that society usually um, goes. Uh, how do I say this? The way that daily life um, proceeds is the same way that it still proceeded, even though there was. Did you have to self-isolate? Now, in terms of isolating the problem, I don't think that's the best step, of course, uh, allowing it to continue free, as freely as it did before. But uh, it worked for us. We never got the virus. So uh, personally, individually, from my experience, it was, it was, I was happy with that. Um, yeah. Was everything shut down and how did you manage if it was? Some businesses did lose, um, did close down, but simply that was due to a lack of business that was not um, directly attributed to coronavirus or the government telling them to close down or anything like that. So that was good. Uh, yeah. Um, so uh, we traveled the country for another month after that isolation period was over. And then that's when we decided to come home. Me and two other friends of mine, we had to get a flight from Vientiane in Laos to South Korea. So Nathania, how did you go about getting your flights? Was it difficult? No, I think that's because, uh, well, obviously some people, most people in the world are gonna pay for it because people are quite worried and wanna get home to their families during this time of of uh, intensity, this time of stress. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was about twenty-two or twenty-four hundred dollars altogether for a one-way flight from Vientiane all the way to Toronto. Um, now, I think it's because we had to cover the cost of those passengers that wouldn't have been. So, what was the airport like when you got there? Uh, was there many people around? Was it that busy at all? People uh, were very strict. Well, uh, just you could tell a lot of people were really worried and scared and fearful of touching things and, and being too close to people in the airports. And everybody obviously had a mask on. It was actually mandatory in airports. If you didn't have one, they would give you one. Um, and that was every airport that we were in. Uh, it was it was crazy. When we first got to Vientiane Airport, uh, it was the first time I've ever seen an airport without really any other people in it. It was sort of a ghost town. That the only flight on the screen... You have a, a screen uh, in every airport, of course, that displays all the flights and their times and the flight number and where they're going and where they're coming from. Um, there was only one single flight on this on this screen because it was just a, sort of a, a one-off um, flight that the government of Laos uh, had, had, had organized. So I guess people weren't traveling at all. 
allow unless it was booked through this one specific very special uh, case scenario um, so yeah got to the airport um, pretty strict in there uh, people were pretty worried um, uh, it was quite a complication getting getting to my personal scenario was ridiculous it wasn't as difficult for everyone but um, basically what happened I'm told you had an issue with your flight. Can you explain? Uh, I first went to check in to my flight in Vientiane to get from Vientiane to Seoul. Um, now, what rule the, the government of, of South Korea had made was um, you could not, uh, you could not, you had the flight that you took from Laos to uh, South Korea had to be within 24 hours time you had to be leaving South Korea um, after your return I could hear the stress in your voice I could only assume you're very frustrated with the whole process I was uh, very angry and very vocal about it at the because the embassy of Laos, the, the Canadian embassy in Laos that I was connected with, that, that always gave me information on flights and up, upcoming uh, opportunities to get home, uh, that those that I was relying on there for my uh, my information on how to get home, they told me. I asked them personally. I said, "Is this okay that it's 33 hours of a wait time?" Because the the other email that I had had said it could only be 24 hours, and they said, "Yes, no problem. They're uplifting that that rule, and it's actually no problem at all." You. So you'd already previously booked your flight, and now you're tell they're telling you that you have to change. Uh, did you find out what's going on? And this flight was supposed to take me through the States. Um, I think it was to Detroit, and then from Detroit to Toronto. Uh, South Korea to Detroit, and then Detroit to Toronto. So she had booked that, okay? They saw the confirmation on her phone, and they said, okay, that's great. Uh, you're welcome to board the flight, because your, your next flight leaves within the 24-hour period. I said, great, okay, you know, this sucks, yeah, I'm down, what, you know, another two grand, but it's okay, I'm getting home, uh, it could be worse, whatever, I, you move on from it, right? So I get to South Korea. At the Vientiane airport, they didn't, um, they didn't notice that. At first it said confirm, but then something like five or ten minutes later, she got an email popping up while we were already on the plane, saying, sorry, your, your, your funds have bounced back, um, I don't even remember what the reason was for. They just, she was refunded the funds and uh, I wasn't booked in for that flight to Detroit. So um, I had the booking reference though. Uh, so I told them that, I showed them that at the South Korean airport, at the Seoul, Seoul airport. So now they tell you you have to book a, another flight? I don't understand. Uh, and then I said, to, and then they said, you're going to have to book another flight. So I said, my goodness, after two flights already booked, I have to book a third one. Um, uh, so, stressed out for sure. I said to them, I said, I have, because that first initial flight that I booked, that was 33 hours of a wait time in their airport. I said, I have this flight booked, but I'm not allowed to board it because it's over 33 hours. Is this, can, is there any way I can get on this flight? Because I already have it booked, so I don't have to, if I can get on that, then I wouldn't have to pay for another flight. And they said, yeah. Yeah, that's no problem. It's okay. That's 33 hours. It's no problem at all. You are certainly more than welcome. You have it booked. This is all good. They looked in their system. They saw that I was booked on the flight. They said, that's great. You'll have to just wait 33 hours in the airport. You're not allowed to leave the airport because of the, uh, the COVID. And uh, you can get on your flight and go home. And I said, well, happy days. 
and I was sort of, it was the first time I smiled, I think, in that whole, uh, the whole endeavor. Um, yeah, so it turned out my friend got refunded the money for the one that she thought she had to pay for me. Uh, you must have been relieved knowing the fact that you were almost home. Your long journey finally coming to an end. So I didn't have to pay any extra money for another flight. And I got on the first initial flight that I thought I was going to get on. And uh, I, didn't, I didn't understand it because Vientiane Airport had said, you cannot board this flight because it's 33 hours. And then I get there and they say, oh, yeah, no problem. No problem at all. So eh, a lot of drama surrounding this whole scenario. But after that moment, I was able to breathe, take a breath. I said, okay, it's all good. I just need to get home now. It's all good. Uh, so, yeah, 33-hour layover. That was obviously... It's very difficult to be patient in such a long time, but I found ways to deal with it. I was reading and walking through the airport and, you know, stimulating myself with buying excessive airport food that costs an absolute fortune. But um, it was all good from there. I made it home, got to Vancouver, had to wait about four hours of a layover in Vancouver, and then got to Toronto um, with a... How long was it? How long was your journey, your total journey, and how long did it take you to get home? I think it was 10 hours from Seoul to Vancouver, and then about seven or five, six or seven, something like that, from Vancouver to Toronto. No issues at all in the Canadian airports because I'm a Canadian citizen, and I don't think the questioning was very minimal. You had to fill out a very simple little sheet just asking if you have any symptoms and things like that in the Canadian airports, but there was no tests or anything. They did a little temperature tests, of course, at every airport, but other than that, they didn't do anything more uh, in-depth than that. Um, so that was all good. I was home free, back on home soil. Uh, it was good. It was an incredible feeling after being away for two and a half years. Um, you know, returning home and getting excited to see all my family and everyone. Now, I was a little bit heartbroken at the time because of the breakup I was going through with the woman I was with um, during the lockdown period in Laos, but um, still was very excited to see the whole family and everybody and get back to work and, and, and back to my home life. That was, uh, it was relieving. So what uh, life lesson did you learn in this and uh, would you continue to travel? Yeah, pursuing what I feel is right and then and then completely uh, disregarding what it is that others may want to have you think or make you feel or uh, the world will always try to manipulate you to be a certain way um, and you have to just I, I've learned that you it's it's very important to just even if it's risky even if it seems dangerous or whatever it may be if it's something that your heart wants then please do do it because because denial of what the heart wants and 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 going a different direction for some other reason that someone's fed into your mind is going to you're going to regret it at some point in your life I think you know so that's that's some valuable uh, lesson uh, lessons that I can take with me for the rest of my life very happy with with, uh, with that for sure well thank you for listening to Passports and Postcards again I'm your host Randall McEwen if you enjoyed this show please like Rate, review, download, subscribe, you know, the normal. Have yourself a wonderful day.